Welcome, everybody, to the Fantasy Doctor NFL Podcast. This is Episode 2. We are talking about running backs. As always, my co-host, Dr. Jesse Morse, is on the line. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm doing awesome. We've got football on TV. Even though it's preseason, I'm excited. I know, and I'm actually surprised that uh, many of the starters are actually playing the first uh, one or two series, which I I, I was surprised. I didn't think that was going to happen. It's risky, but I guess they're just itching to get on the field and, and see how they play out. Let's hope there's no major injuries. They, they don't get any major injuries tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, again, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a Cowboy fan, and uh, I, I turn on TV and the Browns and, and Giants are getting going and seeing Barkley in a uniform. I got to say, even though I'm a Cowboy fan, he did look good in that Giants uniform. I think it's going to be a very interesting NFC East. This year. Oh yeah, I mean he 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 broke off that one run that I saw a clip of, and whew, he just took off, and it was I thought he was going to go all the way, but it was beautiful. I'm expecting a lot more of those this year. Yeah, well, let's talk about guys. You know, people were expecting a lot from even last year, and and had devastating injuries. You know, David Johnson had that wrist injury. He ended up having surgery. Was done for the year. Um, you think any of this is going to be a residual effect for him come this season? So, so the problem is, guys, uh, two, this is a twofold issue. First of all, we don't know exactly what he had done. They have yet, they've never released any of the exact information. So, uh, I mean, was it what we call a TFCC? Maybe, I don't know. I don't think it was a fracture because they probably would have told us that. Um, but So we don't really know exactly what was done. But either way, I mean, this uh, could he get hit in the wrist with a helmet while somebody's trying to tackle him and re-injure it? Yes, I mean, that's the nature of it. But, I mean, I think you just have to have a little bit of blind faith and say, let's, he, I think he's going to be ready to rock and roll. To me, he's a top five back again. I mean, guys forget that um, if you compare Todd Gurley's numbers from 2017 to David Johnson's numbers from 2016, Johnson had the better numbers, which is yeah. crazy because of how good Gurley's season was last year. So it's easy no, to forget one yeah, year how good he was. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. He had a fantastic breakout season in 2016. And even though his rushing efficiency wasn't great, he actually, for 2016, had the second most number of touches inside the five-yard line. So it's phenomenal for a running back to have those kind of numbers that he had in 2016. So I I agree with you. I think that the wrist injury, uh, we don't have any clarity on it, but I'm I'm assuming that even if it was a TFCC tear, which is – uh, for the, our listeners, it's a tear of one of the ligamentous structures inside the wrist. As long as it doesn't affect his grip, I think he should be fine for this season, and I don't think there's going to be any consequence on it. And and from some of the off-season reports coming out, it does look like his left wrist is okay. So I think he's going to be fine, and, and I agree with you. He's, he's one of the top five backs for me as well. Yeah, I'm just so, happy it wasn't his ACL. <laughs> Well, so let's talk about ACL. Javelin Cook, torn ACL, had cartilage damage. What are you thinking for him? So, I mean, I like this kid. I really do. I mean, the good news is all the data that I've seen shows that, you know, guys who are in their late 20s struggle to come back from these, but guys in their earlier 20s bounce back a little better. I mean, they're really getting, between PTs and the the surgeons and, and protocols, they're getting really good at the surgery, unfortunately. Uh, with how often they have to do it. So for me, I mean, they have a, a, a pretty solid team. I mean, they're definitely probably a top five NFC team with uh, how many different weapons they have. 
So he doesn't need to be the bell cow, um, even though he will be. So, I, I mean, he's he's a little bit uh, not quite a top five for me. Um, I, I will give our rankings later, but I have him kind of in the, in the six through ten region. But I will definitely have him in a couple of my teams. So you, you and I are on the same page, man. I, I agree with you. I think he's in the bottom half of my top ten, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I agree, you know, with a torn ACL, if you look at the research that's been done and, and we've published on this, when you come back that first season, you are not 100%. It almost takes the second year to be close to 100%. And, yes, you have the anomaly guys like Adrian Peterson who could come back and they're stellar. And they Not only do they come back, they come back in six months versus the usual nine to 11 months. But that is not the norm. And so I, I think given that history of the ACL tear, I'm a little bit uh, gun-shy on, on Cook, although I am expecting quite a bit out of him this season. Oh, yeah. So oh, definitely. Let, you know, talking about uh, less serious injuries, Fournette was was on and off the field last year with multiple ankle sprains on both ankles. And there has been a little bit of change in the offensive guard over uh, at, in Jacksonville, but do you think this becomes a bigger problem for him this season? Or do you think he can continue to power through? So, I mean, as a talent, the kid is a stud. I mean, he's top five. He could probably be the lead in rushing. The problem is I feel like he's a little injury prone, specifically in his lower extremities. I mean, he has a lot of issues. He missed six games of college with a high ankle sprain. So the, the history is there. And that was a different leg than the one he injured in, in the NFL. So, I mean, unfortunately, right. I, I, I feel like it's going to take one misstep, somebody stepping on his ankle, you know, a, a guy tackling him kind of just a weird, awkward way. So the odds of him not having some type of ankle injury this year, I'd say, uh, you know, are pretty low. Uh, whether it's going to be nothing or whether he misses three or four games, it's going to be hard to tell. I, I'd be really surprised if he didn't end up on uh, the injury report sometime this year with an ankle. But with that being said, um, I, I think he's still, uh, again, like a close to a top five back, maybe a six through ten, because they're going to run the ball. We know that. Yeah, so they're going to run the ball. And even though there's reports that he shed some weight for the season, working on his acceleration, working on his agility, I just think that you're exactly right that he is injury prone, specifically in the lower extremities. And I do think that I'm, I'm going to go even further. Not only will he be an injury report, but I do think he'll miss two or three games this season. I just think that there's there's something going on with the way he runs, the style he runs, and and almost how fragile those ankles are. That I think that he'll he'll miss a couple of games. Missing games, you know, Dante Foreman uh, had a torn Achilles. We know this is a devastating injury. You know, how do you think this plays for him? No, I mean, I know you were the lead author, if I remember correctly, on on a big Achilles paper for NFL guys, um, and 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 it's just they don't they don't do well. They just don't. I mean, yeah. regardless of age, regardless of everything. I mean, unfortunately, they just don't have it when they come back, and and it takes a while. It's it's probably a good nine to eleven months, uh, maybe longer, uh, just for initially coming back. So that's a bad timeline for, for um, Foreman as it is. So I'm staying away from him like the plague. I think Lamar Miller still has some, some juice left in his legs, um, you know, not expecting what he can do. He's not a top 10 guy, but uh, he's a sneaky uh, second or third uh, running back. Yeah, Foreman, 
So, folks, when you hear torn Achilles, get worried. We looked at this here exactly right. About a third of the guys only are able to make it back to, to the NFL. And I don't think it's our surgical technique. I don't think it's the rehab. I just think this is a devastating injury for the longest, strongest tendon of the human body. And it just kills an NFL career. And we've even looked at it, their longevity after the guys are able to come back. And most can't make it to the third season after they return. So uh, I, I think uh, Foreman is not going to be even a, a second uh, back for me in, in my teams. Uh, you know, your Patriots, your beloved Patriots, so, uh, Sony Michael, what do you think? Um, knee uh, swelling, had the scope. What do you think is going on? There? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, of course, uh, one of our first-round picks already has a banged-up knee and he hasn't even played a game yet. So I, it's it's unclear exactly what he's dealing with. We know he had, quote-unquote, knee swelling and he had a procedure. Now, that leads me to believe that, uh, I mean, there's only a couple of reasons why you have knee swelling in a 22- or 3-year-old. Either he's already got pretty bad arthritis, which there have been reports, which some guys avoided him specifically for that. Teams avoided him. Uh, also, maybe he, he had prepatellar bursitis or, you know, inflammation around the kneecap, or he tore a ligament or a meniscus. So, I mean, either way, I think he's going to be out for probably, they'll probably baby him for three to six weeks. Um, you know, he may he may miss uh, the first couple games if they're being smart and conservative with him. Um, that's kind of where I think that they'll be. Yeah, I think you'll see him probably in the middle of September. Um, again, you know, like typical Patriots fashion, we just don't have a lot of um, information on this injury. But you clearly worry about a guy this young having knee swelling and then undergoing a quote-unquote procedure. But I will say it could be a scope. Um, I, I think, it, you know, procedure could also be, you know, a stem cell injection. So I, I just don't know. Um, but until we know more, it, you just get worried about knee swelling in, in a guy who really hasn't even tested the NFL yet. So Chris Thompson trying to get back of his fractured figure from last season has a setback. We know that when it, when you break that ankle, it's never the same. Yes, you can get back to playing. Yes, you can get mobility and agility back. But uh, Personally, I am not so concerned about um, uh, an athlete coming back from a fibular fracture having a little bit of setback, only because we know there can be scar tissue in there. We know you can be stiff. The bigger issue for me becomes if the setback ends up rolling into late September. That's when I start thinking that maybe he has cartilage damage in that ankle joint that may need more surgery. Uh, so my take on Thompson is buyer beware. You know, I, I just don't think he's proven that he's totally out of the woods yet. Um, and so I'm not, uh, I'm not certainly going to be picking him up on my team. Uh, where do you fall out on him? So before the, there was a report on August 1st saying that Chris Thompson doesn't fully expect to be recovered until fully recovered until November. So that's a pretty big red flag because that's, much later than I was anticipating. So that makes me think he had some type of setback, something didn't go right, whether it's the ankle, the leg again, or something else. But either way, I had drafted him in a couple leagues already as he has really high potential for a PPR. I mean, he caught a ton of passes last year. But um, with, in light of that, I'm backing off him. And, and if I get him late, late in the draft, I'll, I'll sneak him. But I'm, not, I'm definitely not reaching for him anymore. All right, and how about Spencer Ware? Where does he fall into any of your uh, your picks? 
Yeah, so Spencer Ware suffered a pretty significant injury. So he suffered a PCL. So for uh, for uh, all the listeners out there, the PCL is the other ligament, big, thick ligament, that is in the back of the knee that crisscrosses with the ACL. It's kind of hard to damage this ligament. Usually you think of like car accidents where someone hits their knee on the dashboard or something like that. Like it's not a common one in, in, in the NFL. And he also may have some damage on the outer uh, posterior aspect of his leg, what they call a posterior lateral corner. So when I hear those, I get worried. Um, I mean, Hunt uh, is going to be the, the lead back there. Is Ware going to be a nice compliment to him? Maybe. I just I don't have much faith in him, uh, to be honest with you. Well, especially as a poster lateral corner, my, my concern gets ratcheted up much higher um, for a poster lateral corner versus just a torn PCL. So um, I, I, we don't have those details, but uh, with Hunt really carrying the load, I, I just uh, would rather stay away away from where I just think you have a lot of other options for a second back um, uh, to pick from. So just like we did last week, give me your top 10 for your running backs, and then uh, let's see where you and I fall out on this. Yeah, so I'll start with 10, and, and, and I, this is for a PPR league just because that's the way I, I do most of my leagues anyway. But So for 10, I got Melvin Gordon, for not, and he's a volume monster. He's not efficient at all. Kareem Hunt at nine, I think the kid is, is talented. I mean, we, we saw it last year. I think he's going to continue more of that. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, I have at eight. So I believe the hype, I think he can sustain uh, that. I think he'll be uh, fantastic on, on that team that have a lot of weapons so they're not going to stack the box as much. Uh, seven, Devonta Freeman, kind of an underrated sneaky guy who always puts up very, very respectable numbers. Six, I have Fournette. Um, as much as I'd like him to have him in the top five, I'm just concerned about those lower leg injuries, and I think they're going to take a couple games off, um, and, and, and those are zeros, unfortunately. Barkley I have at five. The kid is just a beast. If he can stay healthy, um, regardless of how the Giants do, the kid is – he just has – he's a monster. I think I have Bell at four, and the issue I have – Bell usually, you know, one, two – I just think they're going to run him to the ground, and I just think he's going to break down, and it's going to be knick-knack injuries, and either that or he's going to go for 400, you know, uh, rushes in a year, which is a crazy amount. They don't really hit anymore. Uh, I have David Johnson at three, and, I, you know, I'd love for him to be the top back again. That would be a great story, um, and, and like nothing ever happened last year, but we'll see. Elliott could easily be number one and, and may finish number one as long as he stays out of trouble. Um, but uh, I have him at number two, and I have Gurley at number one. Not much surprise there, but I don't think he's sustaining that, you know, 12 yards per catch or whatever he sustained. It was crazy, um, but I still think between their line and their offense, and he's just so talented, I think um, I think he, he'll finish number one again. Yeah, and, and I have pretty much the same suspects, but a little bit of a different order, so I'm just going to run down them. So I've Cook at 10, Fournette at 9, Gordon at 8, Hunt uh, at 7, Barkley at 6, only because I think uh, the O-line is a little bit questionable. It's his rookie year, so I, I just wonder how he's really going to respond. Johnson at, at uh, 5, Kamara at, at 4, um, and then I have Elliott at 3. And, and really, you know, again, I'm a huge Dallas fan. I keep saying this, but 
Um, I think Dallas is really going to uh, really rely much more on Elliott this season, number one, because Elliott's got something to prove after last season, and number two, with the receiving core really untested, um, I, I think that Dak's going to really rely on Elliott. So I, I think he's three. You can argue him to be a two, although I'm putting Le'Veon Bell at two because I think that uh, that he's got something to prove. He wants a bigger contract. I think that this is really going to be a pivotal year for him, and I think he's going to go out and uh, and be a monster. And then I have Gurley at, at one. And more than anything, I think those receiving yards uh, are huge. And, and even though if it's 12 or 14 yards, I don't really remember – uh, per catch, I think it's just uh, it's 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 still huge numbers, and, and for me, he's number one as well. Yeah, I, I left so. out Kamara, uh, and I, I mean everybody's got Kamara in the top ten, and I know Ingram's out the, uh, the top uh, for a couple. I think it's four or five weeks, but I just don't. He, he his his running rate is just so unsustainable. I don't think he's ever gone over 200 carries, whether in college or last year, which isn't even that much compared to some of these guys. So, I mean, it, I just think it's going to be hard for him to, to, to sustain that level. But, I mean, he, the talent's there. We know that. I could easily see him in the top five. I just have him just outside of the top ten. Yeah, and, and you know, if our listeners are interested in finding out more about not only our rankings but uh, how we can objectively look at these, we have the FDX and FDVX score at fantasydose.com. That should be available uh, after the 15th of August. Um, the FDX and FDVX score give you an objective way based on our algorithms of, of ranking these athletes from week to week and over the entire season. And we're going to also be launching our uh, durability score, which will give you an idea of what we think based on real numbers, based on real metrics, uh, the likelihood of these, these individuals, these players, to last the entire season, and I think all of that's going to be uh, great metrics for people, our listeners, to really enjoy come uh, August 15th at FantasyDose.com. Well, thanks, everybody. You know, tonight's a special night. We actually have a, a very special guest uh, on the show with us, uh, Marcus Ogden, everybody who's followed football uh, in, in the 90s, in the 2000s, knows the Ogden family. Marcus is the younger brother of Jonathan Ogden and is a standout uh, uh, offensive lineman his, himself, played in the NFL for five years and, and has been a best-selling author as well. And he's on uh, on the hotline tonight joining us. Marcus, how are you? Fine yourself. How's everybody doing tonight? We're great. Thanks for taking the time. Um, you know, NFL games are, are already – preseason games are already going on. Does it bring back any memories for you? Oh, absolutely. I was watching the uh, Cleveland Giants game. I wanted to take a look at, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield and, and Saquon Barkley and see how they looked as young rookies. And I remember that first game um, I was playing with Jacksonville. We played against the Minnesota Vikings uh, in Minnesota, traveling to Minnesota. So I really remember the house that, like, it was yesterday when I was going through the nerves, the anxiety, the anxiousness, and going out there and earning my spot. So I wish everybody that's out there tonight that are young rookies trying to make a team well and uh, if you make a mistake, own it, fix it, move on. <laughs> well, that's so true. So that's a good point. I mean, that first game you get out, whether it's preseason or the real game, you know, how nervous are you? Did you even did you actually vomit? A lot of guys say that that first game before the game, they're no, they're I, I I didn't I didn't vomit, but I was very nervous. It was a big crowd. Of course, Minnesota had a lot of raging fans, crazy fans. So uh, I was absolutely. Uh, nerve-wracked, and I was like, wow, this 
versus the NFL. It's just crazy. So, yeah, I totally know exactly what people, those young guys are feeling out there for their first game. I, I lived it back in 2003. <laughs> so what advice would you give them tonight, you know, with, with preseason really Take- kicking off tonight? Take it one play at a time. If you start thinking about, oh, am I going to have a good game? Or, you know, am I have a good quarter? Am I going to have a good, you know, half? And you know, all that kind of stuff. That's you start losing focus. And every time you're on the football field, every play, just do your best to win your battle and grade out high. You know, if you're trying to make a football team, the only thing you can do is control what happens around you. They don't care about the score. They don't care if you win or lose. Coaches, of course, they want to win, but no one gets any merits for winning going 4-0 in the preseason and going 0-17 in the regular season. So if you're a young guy out there trying to make a football team, just take it one play at a time and focus on that. Yeah, I mean, that's great advice because you can overthink it, and that's where you get in trouble, right? You just got to be natural, almost like you have your whole life from high school all the way forward through college and, and now the NFL, the big stage. So that's same that's, that's great. Same dance, bigger stage. Yeah, no, that's great. So you know, and that's actually is is brings up a different point for me uh, when kind of going back and researching your your biography and your life. I mean, one of the big things that guys trouble guys get into is you know they get that that contract. And they start really overspending and, and overliving their life uh, with extravagant homes and cars. How did you not fall into that trap? Well, because my brother was a first-round draft pick to the Baltimore Ravens in 1996, and he ended up not buying his forever home until he was 30. He didn't. He waited until he was in the second year of his second contract, which was his big contract. He had a house in Baltimore that was pretty small, modest, you know, very, you know, uh, you know, above average life, but nothing crazy. He would drive used cars or he would get, like, sponsored by Toyota. I remember he actually had a driver, Toyota Sequoia, that was actually given to him by Toyota as a, as a sponsor. So, I wow. mean, he never lived beyond his means. And my father had a degree in, uh, in economics and a master's in economics as well. So, financial, you know, knowledge and talk was big in our household. So, you know, very similar, and Jesse, Jesse and, and I can and relate to this. You know, as as medical students, you're, you're poor as dirt, right? You're going into more and more debt every single year, and then suddenly you're training, and you're making a little bit of money, but it's not a lot. And then you actually finish training, and you, you start pulling in a bigger check. And it is so common for guys to, to live beyond their checks, partly because they've been suppressed for so long, and partly because they finally are getting – you know, more money coming in and better cash flow, which is so right. I had, I was fortunate enough. I had an older brother just like you who did the same thing. He said, you know, live within your means, save now and, and wait for a few years. And, and that's, oh, yeah. and, it, and it sounds like it has that for you as well. Absolutely. I had to do the same thing. I, I, when I went bankrupt in my business, I just overextended on one bad job. Now I'm rebuilding myself. I actually officially today paid off all of our, credit card debt from, you know, just trying to get myself together through all the, you know, because I started as a speaker, I didn't get paid very much, and now I'm getting paid very well, and now we're, we're getting more more consistent cash flow. So now now we're paid up all of our credit card debt, we're starting a savings account, looking to buy a home, we can stop, we can stop renting, you know, doing those things step by step, but I mean, I, I had a really bad jam I got myself into 
when I lost everything, and now you know it takes years to rebuild that the right way. And now finally, after God five years, I can actually we're out of credit card debt, and we're actually moving forward into trying to you know build and you know you know buy the home and all that kind of stuff. You know when the time is right. No, absolutely. That's, that's that's impressive. I'm going to change so, gears a little bit. Um, absolutely, Jesse. So you're, uh, I, I think the O-line always gets overshadowed. You always hear about the quarterback and the running back and, you know, big name wide receivers, but you never really hear about the, the guys in the trenches up front. You know, what? how do you feel like, uh, were you okay with that? You know, um, are you you just do your job and, and you're okay with that? What, Wait, what were some of the, some of the things well, that, you know, the, the running backs behind you, um, you know, what, what were your thoughts on that? As long as the quarterback was standing on two feet and the running back was getting more than, you know, uh, in the ball past the line scrimmage as a, as a line scrimmage, we as the offensive line are happy. We don't take the job for glory. We don't take the job for fame. We don't take the job for notoriety. It's a dirty job. Actually, it's the only job where in any type of sport, where your job is to protect another human being, be a quarterback, a running back, <laughs> uh, you know, a wide receiver. It's the only position in any sport where your job is to protect another human being. So that's what an offensive lineman is. That's what you do. That's why they say most O-linemen become great fathers and husbands because we've been protecting people our whole life, and it is kind of transcends naturally into – being a father and being a husband. So, I mean, for me, it was great. I mean, that's that's all I ever knew. It's all I ever did. And really, that's all I ever really wanted to do. <laughs> that's cool. But that's a great analogy because I never thought of it uh, that way. Um, but you, you're really right. You are protecting the life of, of the quarterback where 11 guys are out to kill him. So, you know, yep. Jesse's point is an important one, too, because, you know, the O-line does, never does get credit for the most part. So how how important do you think, Marcus, it is, you know, obviously uh, the performance of a running backs very much dependent on their own skills, but how critical do you think in your mind the O-line is for a talented running back? So, for example, let's talk about Barkley. You kind of raised his, if, his if name the, a if, few minutes if, ago. If, if the Giants offensive line doesn't do anything, Saquon Barkley will be another here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, look at look at Todd Gurley. Look at Todd, Todd Gurley in, in L.A. He finally has he's been having a good couple of years. Don't get me wrong, but last year he just showed out because the Rams' offensive line by far came together with the with the lead of Andrew Whitworth, who's a veteran left tackle, and they came together and, and played their butt off. And Gurley reaped the benefits. So Saquon better hope. That that second round draft pick Hernandez and they and bringing over Nate Salder from the Patriots for on a big contract at the left tackle pays off because it, no matter what he does he won't be able to catch the corner like he did in college he won't be able to outrun anybody like he did in college you know these are grown right. men he's still young he's 22 years old 21 22 years old these are grown men in their mid to late 20s who at the peak optimal performance of their athletic prime you ain't gonna be able to outrun these guys. You might be able to shake him a little bit, move a little bit. That's one thing, but you're not going to catch a corner like you did in college or break away like that. It's not going to happen. So if the line doesn't give you a good push, Barkley will never be anything more than just an average running back. So the so, only so back that, I ever the, the only back I ever saw do it at the highest level with a line that was subpar to really really bad was Barry Sanders. Yeah, hmm. he did it for years. Yeah, but he also 
you know, he had a lot of big runs, and he also got tackled for a lot of losses, too. <laughs> right. No, yeah. That's true. Sorry. Uh, what type of injuries did you uh, kind of happen to you get regularly? I know we, we always focus oh, on you guys and oh, your knees. Oh. but Knees, ankles, back, elbows, wrists, uh, triceps. I mean, these are all, you know, these are all – very normal to get at the line, especially the elbows. I mean, we have a lot of you know, hmm. you know, uh, you have have a lot of things scraped out, cleaned out from pass protection to running blocking. You make contact with the guy, you have to extend your elbows to kind of push him out, drive him out. Pass blocking, you're punching and you try to lock your elbows out to almost you know 90 degrees so you can get away from your body. Your elbows go through a lot of damage as off of the lineman. Hmm. And Marcus, you you had a back injury. Um, yep. Would you attribute your, your the end of your career to that back injury? Uh, I know that there were some other things going on as well, but was that back injury? So what exactly had happened for you? I ended up playing guard, uh, a little undersized. I was going into practice against guys like Albert Hainsworth consistently, Randy Starks, you know, who was 310 pounders, and Albert Hainsworth was probably a sub, uh, was, you know, excess of 350. And my back just took a lot of wear and tear, a lot of beating. And we ran the ball a lot when I was in practice in Tennessee. And I, I was getting, I was 27 years old. My body was starting to break down already. And then combine that with the practice schedule and the, you know, the amount of running that we did with our big running backs, Lindale White. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we had Chris Johnson that was there. So by the time you know, I was, just, you know, I kept getting into it. I was like, man, this is my body can't take it anymore. So then I ended up having an L4, L5 surgery, and then that was that was it for me. Got you. And that's an important point because a lot of people don't appreciate how important that back is. And we keep saying at the fantasy doctors, you know, once you get that back injury, you're never really the same. And yes, you may be able to kind of perform in the way you did before, but you're one twist away from re-aggravating that back at any given point in time. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Anytime you have a back injury, you're susceptible to having another back injury. And one back injury really leads to another, to another. So a lot of times when guys get those injuries, their careers are never the same. It's just unfortunate, but it's just the way that it is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Jesse, did you have any other questions for Marcus? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know that nowadays we kind of like to – they really harp on concussions. Um, But, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, guys still got them, but – they didn't really call themselves out, and you know, did, did you remember playing probably a couple of games here and there where you were feeling the effects of maybe something that you just kind of stuck through it? Or oh yeah, I mean, when I was in high school, especially high school, a little bit of college too, but high school, man, you know, they we didn't really know what concussions were. They weren't talking about it. You get a hit in your head, you know, get a little smelling salt, sniff a little smelling salt, boop, you're back in the game. Today it's like I saw a hit. To, I saw a clean hit today, or so we call it a clean hit. Back when I played from Cleveland all the way from New York, they call it a personal foul. So they're really trying to protect players. I get that, but you might be going a little too far. But yes, I had concussions when I played. Head damage, you know, uh, my head hitting the ground, bouncing two inches off the ground. My, you know, head ringing. You know, eyes start getting heavy, can't see very well. But you, you, know, you talk. Okay, get some smelling salt. You know, put your little little water on your head. Back in the game, you go. Especially when I was in high school, I was playing offensive and defensive line uh, my last two years. Then I got to college, I was a starting tackle as a redshirt freshman. Anytime I had a head injury, something like that, you know, one or two plays, unless I was really like just out, which I never had someone knock me out, but I did get head ringing, things like that. One play, maybe two, back in the game I went. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I played uh, high school football a very long time ago, and, and the athletic trainers back then always used to make sure they carried the smelling salts. We don't even do that anymore. But back then, you're right. No. You just pop smelling salt, wake the player up, and say, all right, one or two plays, and you're back in the game. <laughs> it's yep, so different right. now. Oh, yeah, it's way different today than it was even when I was in high school and in the NFL. It's way, way different. How does your body feel now, you know, years after all that acute wear and tear? You know, what what are you running for weight compared to what you used to play at? Uh, I, I, about four months, about four months ago, give or take, I was about 320, about 326, three, between 326 and 330. Uh, I got on this isogenics program, health and nutrition program, and I've lost about 55 pounds in that time, give or take. And my body now feels so much better because my, my back doesn't hurt as bad, my knees don't hurt as bad, I'm able to pop out of bed. So I credit the way I feel today, you know, with to isogenics making me feel better and how I've been able to kind of get myself going and back out and I train more and I lift more and I play basketball, I do more cardio. So it's, all, it's more of a lifestyle change. So I would say four months ago I was miserable. Today, after being on this program and making some lifestyle changes, I'm a much happier, healthier person for sure. So cool. trimming that weight down is critical, right? I mean, getting oh yeah, a lot of yeah. these you guys have built up so much muscle mass and and, and uh, weight through the years that suddenly you're off uh, out of your career, and I think trimming it really makes sense. Yep, if you can't, it, it's it's huge for you to drop the weight once you're done because if you don't. It's hard to get. As you get older, it's hard to get off. And then once you start having health problems, your health fades, your body fades even faster. So it's critical for guys to get that weight off of them once they retire so they don't have health problems down the road later on. If you, if you, could, give, if you could talk to the current uh, O-line, you know, the guys who are currently on the O-line for a lot of the teams in the NFL, what would you uh, recommend for them, like, whether it's financial, whether it's body, you know, what, what would you be your recommendations to them? Is financial, don't spend what you don't have to spend. Save as much as you can. Body-wise, get into cryotherapy, get into acupuncture, get into some type of nutritional supplements to make your body last longer. And then football-wise, just every day, every single play, earn your spot to stay on the football field, to stay in the NFL. That's what I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Well, thanks, Marcus. Thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes to hang out with us on the Fantasy Doctor NFL podcast. Um, we really appreciate it, and uh, hope you enjoy this year's NFL season. I will, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, uh, so next week we've got uh, wide receivers, so stay tuned. Uh, we will be talking about in Episode 3, wide receivers. Hope everybody enjoys t- this week's games. Um, Jesse? Thanks as always, and uh, you and I are always available to our listeners at thefantasydoctors.com or on Twitter at thefantasydrs. Jesse and I really make a great effort to give you guys insight as it's happening, as these injuries are happening. So um, even if there's something that you're you're interested in, um, shoot us a shoot us a tweet on on at thefantasydoctors.com or at thefantasydoctors.drs, and we'll get you your answers. Until next time, uh, Jesse. I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Looking forward to it.